You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I am also the founder of Whole9Sports.com where you can find all of my written work. Today I am joined for the first segment by Tyler Fornis, lead draft analyst for Climb the Pocket, also with Blue Chip Scouting and Voices of Wrestling. We'll talk about the future of Florida's quarterback position. Uh, after that, we'll talk about how Julio Jones leaving Atlanta impacts Kyle Pitts and a look at Florida baseball in the SEC tournament. Thank you to everybody who left a review. It is greatly appreciated. Please do continue to do so or reach out to me in some way so that I can make this the best Gators podcast around. Before we get started, just a quick reminder to follow Locked On Gators wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. And there's only one place to get all the info you need on the SEC five days a week, and that's Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Follow the Locked On SEC podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm being joined now by Tyler Fornis, of course resident Gator fan and a guy who at least initially wanted Anthony Richardson to win the quarterback battle. So Tyler, what are your takes on Emory Jones versus Anthony Richardson? I think when you talk about the Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson takes, you kind of got to start with recruiting, right? Uh, Dan Mullen takes the job in uh, December of 2017. And one of his first recruits that he landed was Emory Jones, got him to flip on the 20th of December uh, from Ohio State, which uh, I think was a really big deal at the time because you're taking him from Urban Meyer. What does Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen have in common? The offense that they both helped perfect and master throughout the college football landscape. I think that really signaled what Dan Mullen was trying to do here with the Florida Gators is kind of bring them back to their point of real offensive relevancy that they had in those uh, Tim Tebow years, the end of Chris Leak, you know, transitioning into the end of Urban Meyer. Like those offenses where you're running a lot of spread concepts, you're doing a lot of mesh, you're spacing guys out and giving players opportunity with the football in space. I think that's what he wanted to do. And Emory Jones kind of fits that. And I went in depth on why Emory Jones has is, has a true chance to be a dark horse QB one candidate coming into the 2022 draft class, just because of the tools that he has. And I know that you're, you've talked plenty about Emory Jones and he has a lot to like, but I think one thing that we need to not overlook is Anthony Richardson, uh, Anthony Richardson coming from East side high school, just 15 minutes outside of Gainesville, uh, four-star recruit, six, four, two He's built like Dak Prescott. And I think that's a really big draw for kind of historically what we've seen from Dan Mullen. Uh, his best offenses have been with Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott, Nick Fitzgerald. Now, Emory Jones has a hose and he's a really good runner, but he's not the type of runner that we've seen Dan Mullen historically target at the quarterback position. And that's what uh, Anthony Richardson brings to the Florida Gators. He has that ability to run inside power. He has that physicality. 
and he has a fantastic arm. When you talk about uh, him as an early enrollee, he was practicing with the Gators leading up to the Orange Bowl against Virginia. And all you heard about was guys raving about Anthony Richardson's tools and how he has a sky high ceiling. And even though Jones has been in the system for three years and that shouldn't be discredited at all. I think Jones is the front runner for the job. But Anthony Richardson has all the tools, and as far as a historical trend for what Dan Mullen likes in a quarterback, it really can't be ruled out that he could be the starting quarterback this upcoming year. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the experience that Emory Jones has in the system, but do you think that we could, just because this is a very real thing that happens in college sports, whether or not we want to admit it, whether or not we agree with it, where upperclassmen kind of get the nod even if there's a little bit of a gap between the players that are underneath them so do you think emory maybe gets the nod simply because of that redshirt junior as opposed to redshirt freshman i think if you're talking about a cyberker i yeah i i think that's that's a real possibility uh, there's something about how a man or a woman uh, as far as they have to be that commanding presence and they have to be the leader on the field or the court. And if Emory Jones, as an older individual, is able to do that better than Anthony Richardson, then I think that's easily going to be the case. Now, do I know these two men? Absolutely not. And I think that's something that we can only use as conjecture. We can get uh, sources. We can talk to people. But at the same time, we're not there on a day-in, day-out basis. I thought once Felipe Franks went down that Jones was going to take over and it was going to be a slam dunk. Uh, I was always a Kyle Trask guy. I loved Trask. I, I loved his backstory, how he just kept grinding no matter what. Like high school kids in Texas, you don't get to start, you're gone. He stayed. And then he persevered and he became and made himself a second round pick going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that, the fact that Jones didn't get that opportunity there uh, kind of uh, goes along with what you just said, Brandon. Trask was the upperclassman. He was a fourth year junior versus a redshirt freshman and i think that's that's a real thing in the college football landscape especially because one you commit to these kids when you recruit them and you give them uh promises whether true or false that say hey you're going to take care of them you're going to help them grow and cultivate a just a better relationship and a better future for them and you only have a limited window so if you have uh emory jones who may only have one more year left as a starter if he just blossoms and goes to the NFL, then you give the ball to Richardson. He's been in the system two years. He still has three years of eligibility left. So in essence, you're taking care of both players. And I think, as you said, that shouldn't be discounted. Now, don't have a ton of time left, so I have to work this question in just because it crossed my mind earlier. Um, we see all the time now the transfer portal is just a very commonly used tool, rightfully so. Uh, do you think there might be a little bit of pressure to at least get Anthony Richardson involved or Emory Jones involved if Dan Mullen feels that one gives us a better chance to win now? Uh, do you think it might be a transfer risk on the team there? I don't, and here's why. Like, uh, throughout uh, probably like the nine or 10 years between Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen, uh, you saw a lot of guys transfer multiple got quarterbacks who got drafted to the national football league. Uh, most notable ones, Jeff Driscoll, Jacoby Brissett, like the transfer thing has always been normal as far as Florida Gator quarterbacks. 
it has not really been a thing since Dan Mullen took over. And I think the usage of Emory Jones continuously trying to get him on the field, get him in opportunities to succeed, even with Kyle Trask in a Heisman caliber season. And you know, I think Anthony Richardson, because he's going to be a yin-yang kind of guy, they both have great arms, but completely different running styles in the offense that Dan Mullen likes to use. I think Richardson is going to see some playing time there. It wasn't a mistake that they got him into the game against Oklahoma in the, in the sugar bowl. And I, would not be shocked if they even at some point do a Steve Spurrier two quarterback system where it's like, Hey, I'm just going to alternate plays with these guys. Cause they're both really good. And it's working. I think we've seen both on the field at the same time though. I think so. Uh, <laughs> if I remember correctly, they did it against Oklahoma. Like Mullen isn't afraid to be a little crazy, a little chaotic, have some fun and try to get some unique concepts in there to win football games. And th- at the end of the day, that's what he has to do. Dan Mullen has to win football games and whoever he believes is going to be the best as far as helping him win those football games is going to get the job. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tyler. We'll, we'll have you back on to talk more about this little QB one battle later on closer to the season. Uh, Thank you so much. You could follow Tyler on Twitter at the real Forno. catch all his work at uh, climb the pocket, blue chip scouting voice of wrestling like I mentioned before, like I mentioned now. Uh, thank you again, Tyler, and hope you have a great night. Thanks, man. You too. Need something to do with your stimulus, tax refund, or GameStop and maybe Dogecoin money? Well, not anymore. <laughs> Visit rockauto.com for all of your car parts needs. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. I don't even have a car. But I wanted to get familiar with the website and I was shocked at how smooth the experience was. Whether it's brake pads, taillights, or you want to add hydraulics, cool little lights on the bottom, whatever you want, fuzzy dice maybe too, who knows? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So that they know exactly who sent you. That is locked on. L O C K E D space O N. I mentioned this earlier in the introduction where how Julio Jones leaving Atlanta could impact Kyle Pitts and really could impact the whole perception of that pick. Things are still a little cloudy around it, but if you didn't see earlier yesterday, uh, Shannon Sharp called Julio Jones and he's like, hey, uh, you want to go to the Cowboys or do you want to stay in Atlanta? And he's like, nah, I'm out of here. So that was pretty rough. Uh, I mentioned that because that was wildly unethical if Shannon Sharp didn't actually tell Julio he was on the air. We don't see it. We see the beginning of the phone call. We see the end of the phone call. We see Shannon Sharp mention it at the end that he's on air, but we don't know if Julio knew when he said the things he said, if he was on air. And uh, that's why I mentioned it, because it's wildly unethical. I believe it's like punishable, major FCC violation if he didn't know and if Julio wants to cause a stir about it. Um, But going to the actual topic that we could talk about with Kyle Pitts is how it could change the perception of this pick and hindsight is 2020 they say but like hmm, not always but here of course Kyle Pitts 
a lot of people before the draft are saying, hey, you don't draft a tight end at four. That's just not something you do. It's never been done before. Kyle Pitts then became the highest drafted tight end in the modern era of football. That's fantastic. However, the whole logic behind supporting that pick was, well, now defenses have to account for so much because, sure, the Atlanta defense, still not great. But you've got to look at guys like Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and Hayden Hurst, and you have to try to cover them somehow. There is not a single secondary on the planet that you can put in front of me, and I'm like, they won't have problems. There's just not. Like, the Dolphins probably pose the best threat, but even then... Byron on Kyle Pitts, Xavier on Julio, or flip that, and then Noah Igbenogne on Calvin Ridley? It's, it's yikes, is my point. Um, so the, the huge justification for taking a tight end that early was, one, he's not just a tight end, which is true, and two, he's not expected to be a top two option. So he's someone that defenses will have to account for and try to account for while focusing on the other primary options on this offense. But if Julio really does leave, that makes the pick look worse. I get that at the time, you know, at the time what we were dealing with was Falcons have Julio, Calvin, and now Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst. But now people are going to look back at it and say, well, hey, uh, supposedly Julio put in his trade request in like March. So was it a good pick? And the answer is going to shift more towards no. It was already a pretty heavily scrutinized pick. Now it's going to scoot more towards that no column just because it looks like a worse pick. And it is a worse pick if you knew Julio was leaving and you chose to draft a tight end and not and didn't account for the fact that he was still going to leave, then yes, you made your team, you made a a probably little bit of a worse pick, still a good pick, but a little bit of a worse pick uh, just because, you know, a huge part of Kyle Pitts having success was that he'd have Julio there as well along with Calvin Ridley. So you make the team look worse. You make it seem like you made a worse decision than you really did or maybe did depending on if Julio really put in that request in March. And I I feel bad because if Julio is not on the team, Kyle Pitts isn't going to be, likely isn't going to be as productive as we want him to be. Who knows? Maybe he's more productive. Maybe tomorrow that's what I'll talk about. I'll talk about how it doesn't hurt Kyle Pitts. Just because initially, yes, you think it hurts him. Maybe he gets more touches and maybe he's more productive that way. Who knows, really? We'll talk about that tomorrow. Sure, that's 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 tomorrow's <laughs> topic now. Um, but yeah, right now, it looks like a not great decision just because now you're giving more of a focal point for the defenses to focus in on your offense in Kyle Pitts, and that was the whole thing, was that he should be open because they can't focus on him. But now, that makes it a lot easier to focus on him. And I've also, yeah, now I've decided tomorrow I'm going to do a a bit of a deep dive into this because I can and it's fun. Think the Gators have a shot at the Natty this year? 
if you're confident, Bet Online currently has plus 3,300 odds, and I'm just saying, I'm almost definitely take them. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And again, I really mean just about anything that you could possibly imagine, they have it for. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code locked on. That is L O C K E D, no space. O-N for your 50% welcome bonus. Of course, to wrap up today's show, like I mentioned, it, sorry, it feels like I'm, I'm thrown off here a little bit because I had the interview earlier in the day and then the rest of the recordings that threw me off a little bit here. Just want to let you know that it feels weird to be uh, wrapping up this early. But to wrap up the show, we are going to talk about Florida Gators baseball in the SEC tournament. Um, this one is like, I was so looking forward to talking about it, and then the past, this weekend against Arkansas happened. Uh, Florida, of course, is on a four-game losing streak, if you are unaware, including getting swept by, I mean, number one, Arkansas this weekend, in Arkansas, so it's hard to really be mad about it. Um, I'm more upset about the quality of the losses or not even quality of losses just how bad the losses were like quality wise sure we lost to a quality opponent we lost to arguably the best baseball team in the nation currently ranked the best baseball team in the nation but second game was three to four lost of course first game was one to six and the third game was three to nine so that is my issue just that they're blowout losses. They're not even, they're not close losses. There was, of course, the three to four game, but blowout losses. Uh, over the last 10 games, the losses have been ugly. Uh, going back to the 10th most back game, which was the first loss of this final 10 stretch, uh, they lost five to seven to Kentucky. Then their next loss was one to six to Stetson. Then Georgia one to six, and then Arkansas one to six, and then Arkansas three to four, and Arkansas three to nine. You know, I wrote down that they had the three one to six losses, but it didn't even register in my mind that they were in a row, um, which is kind of impressive if you want to think about it that way. But it's still like horrible and atrocious, and I hate it. Um, but four game losing streak. Florida's four in six in their last ten games. And, yeah, that's wildly disappointing. Uh, of course, at the start of that back 10 game stretch, uh, Florida split the series against Kentucky 2-1, to one, so they won that series that, and, and I mean, yay! Um, so they won that series earlier in the month. Of course, Florida is taking on Kentucky later today, so hopefully that's a good sign that we could actually beat Kentucky last time we played them. But Tommy Mace is expected to get the start for Florida, while Sean Harney is, ex- or Harney is expected to get the start for Kentucky. 
Uh, Tommy Mace, last time he played Kentucky, allowed four runs on eight hits. Not great, but I mean, it's not terrible, but it's definitely not great. Kendrick Kalalau is riding a hot streak that, I mean, really started against Kentucky. He had a two-hit game against Kentucky on May 6th or 7th. Uh, and one of the hits was a three-run home run. So it kind of started his hot streak. He's got, I think, multi-hit games in six of his last nine uh, so he he's on fire right now. We're going to hope that he could keep it up. I'm expecting him to be in the starting lineup, just ride the hot hand kind of thing. Uh, statistically, Florida's better than Kentucky in just about every metric there is, or every team metric that there is. So Florida's got the heavy edge there, you would think, but uh, yeah, that's not... I'm not worried about who the better team is right now. When you look at uh, playoffs or tournaments, a lot of times it's just who's who's hot right now. And uh, Florida is, is very much not, and that's what concerns me. Sure, uh, there are guys like Nathan Hickey, Jacob Young, Corey Acton, and Sterling Thompson who can get on base seemingly at will right now, but... Uh, the cold streak is is nothing to scoff at, and it's actually very worrisome for me just because I, I don't know if it's necessarily superstition or anything like that, but when a team's cold, it's it's hard to bounce back. Like You need a slump buster, and a team that you played during this cold streak, probably not a great slump buster. So, I mean, I'm a bit worrisome for it. I am always going to err on the side of caution with things like that. I like to be cautiously optimistic. Um, but, yeah, today, I mean, honestly, the game might even be over by the time you listen to this. The game's this morning at 10.30 Eastern at Hoover, Alabama. So, I, I mean, yeah, whether or not the game is happening yet or hasn't happened or already did, um, just know my heart hurts right now <laughs> I, I am a bit worried for this game i'm gonna hope for the best i try to remain optimistic but you know uh hope for the best prepare for the worst is how i'm approaching this it's how i approach most things so that yeah that's that's where i'm at right now where i'm like yeah we have the better team i know we have a better team that's not a that's not a question for me it's just a matter of who's hot right now and can the gators bounce back that is what worries me. We're clearly the better team in my eyes. But that about does it for today's episode of Lockdown Gators. Join me tomorrow as apparently, as I decided earlier, we'll take a deep dive into Julio impacting Kyle Pitts. Uh, once again, my name is Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole9Sports.com. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. Uh, be sure to check out Locked On Knicks, hosted by Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I wanted to shout out a team from the most electric playoff game so far this year. Of course, I know it's very early, but that Knicks Hawks team. But uh, I refuse to shout out Atlanta, especially after the whole shushing, which I love. Um, competitive nature wise, though. I'm going to go ahead and shout out my favorite team, the Knicks. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you 
on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.